That explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. What are you doing? Rush Limbaugh. Dude, he's nailing it. He kills no, it. No, we, no, I'm not doing it that no, way. No, no, we have to do it like that the whole time. I think you're making fun of me. No, I'm not. That's All the right. way Rush Limbaugh right. does it. No, no, no. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion. This is a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective, uh, but we also have fun. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor here at Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. He is the Fofo. The Fofo with the Jojo. You can call him Jimmy Fofo. That's what everybody calls him, and he likes it. And you can call Joe. No, you can just no. leave me alone. No, Angry Dwarf. No, uh, it's not even real anymore. No, it's, it's going to be. No, you know what? Yeah. They want to charge more now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jimmy Jimmy bought uh, the URL Angry Dwarf or TheAngryDwarf.com and pointed it to my blog. And he would tell everybody, oh, yeah, go check out TheAngryDwarf.com, and it would go to my blog. So, yeah, super funny, dude. Well, it was awesome. funny when it was only 99 cents. Now they want 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah, because it got a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. All right, man, what's going on? What's new with you? Oh, just got back from Canada. Ooh, where'd you go? Uh, under Vancouver Island, a little small Ooh. podunk town named Port Alberta. Is it pretty? Oh, it's beautiful there, man. Oh, We're in this nice. valley surrounded by mountains, uh, yeah. trees. It's, it's gorgeous. A little vacation time? Well, no, I was, I was there for a funeral. So it wasn't oh. like, it wasn't like, you know, you go out Not, and you're, you're resting or you're playing around. Like it was, it was, you know, we're there. Wasn't very, wasn't very restful. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're at a funeral. You're like, okay. she's, re- like, she's resting. You can't say resting. That's, I'm just saying like that. She's with the Lord, man. That's cool. Okay. You know what? She's she at rest. Is, it was, uh, it was a great celebration. It was a lady that, uh, her and her husband, uh, godparents to my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, when I lived in Canada, they took care of me. They, they housed me. They fed me. They counseled me. They just loved me. Did they sponsor you or something? Like, like you were like a sponsored kid? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just asking. Are you talking about like one of those like, I don't know. Relief, like sticker things? Uh, like the magnets? <laughs> it sounds like they sponsored you. They didn't sponsor me in that regard, but they, they took care of me. And so, yes, we went and celebrated her life and uh, her great hope that she had in Christ. That's cool, man. That's cool. I love it. Well, how about you, Joe? What's new for you? All right. Well, um, a lot of new things are going on. I'm not going to share all of them, but I'm going to share one that actually relates to the podcast today. Um, I was listening to Black Sabbath this Mm. week, as I am uh, sometimes prone to do. And uh, I was actually listening to uh, their album that came out recently called 13. And there's a song in there called God is Dead? Question mark. And I was listening to it, and I thought, holy cow, it sounds like this song is about a guy who's wrestling with his faith. He's, there's this voice in his head saying that God is dead, but he doesn't want to believe that, but he's struggling with sin. So just check out some of the lyrics here on this song. Um, it starts off by saying, lost in the darkness, I fade from the light. Faith of my father, my brother, my maker and savior, help me make it through the night. Blood on my conscience and murder in my mind. Out of the gloom, I rise up from my tomb into impending doom. Um, And then he says in the chorus, the voice echoes in my head, is God alive or is God dead? Is God dead? And, uh, you know, all the verses here explore this, this, um, the sin that is in the world and and in the person's own life and heart. Part of, at one point he says this, uh, 
Rivers of evil run through dying land. Swimming in sorrow, they kill, steal, and borrow. There is no tomorrow, for the sinners will be damned. Ashes to ashes, you cannot exhume a soul. Who do you trust when corruption and lust, greed of all the unjust, leaves you empty and unwhole? When will this nightmare be over? Tell me. When can I empty my head? Will someone tell me the answer? Is God really dead? And, uh, you know, he says at the very end, he says, but still the voices in my head are telling me that God is dead. The blood pours down, the rain turns red. I don't believe that God is dead. I, I, I was struck by it because I didn't expect it from a Black Sabbath album. And obviously I'm not suggesting that, you know, Ozzy or any of these guys are, are Christians who know and walk with the Lord or anything like that. But the story, the idea of, of a person struggling with faith, uh, frustrated by sin in the world and in their own hearts, there is this common experience among even believers of what we're going to talk about today. And what is that we're going to talk about today? Backsliding. Backsliding. We're talking about backsliding. So what is backsliding? That's a good question because uh, depending on how you define it, some guys, some popular preachers out there, uh, give you the idea that a true Christian can never backslide. Well, if that's true, I am not a true Christian. No, because you're like, you're caps lock backslider. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> and other times I'm lowercase backslider. Yeah, this is like, so italicized. No, no, only underline, not italicized. Un- that, goes too, no, that goes too far. So backsliding can look different in, in different people, right? Yeah, I think for some people they go, quote unquote, all the way. Uh, where, and I think that's the way people really think about it. Like they just completely turn away. They stop going to church. Um, prodigal son. Prodigal son type mentality, right? Like they're going to go and, and uh, sleep with women and drink themselves into a stupor and uh, get their party on. Get it, get it on. Get it on. <laughs> right. But then there are other people who are backslidden and you don't notice any moral lapses in their life. Mm-hmm. But there is something going on deep in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, that has put them in a very dangerous place. Well, and I think Proverbs, like if you look at Proverbs 14, verse mm-hmm. 14 says this, the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And so it's, it's about that kind of conduct, that those actions as well, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, uh, and it's really about the heart. That is really what, what we're says, getting. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really getting to the heart of this. Where where is your affection? Where is your devotion? What is it that you delight in? And I think this is the, the, the possibility of backsliding uh, is for all of us because sin remains in us and with us. Right. And so the uh, Second London Baptist Confession at 1689 says this, chapter 13, paragraph 2, The sanctification is throughout the whole man, yet imperfect in this life. There abide still some remnants of corruption in every part, Wherefrom arises a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit, and a spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And this is a, this is what Paul talks about, right? In right. Romans, yeah. that he's he's not doing the things he wants to do, but he does the things he uh, he doesn't want to do. Right? Yeah, and this yeah. is battle, this continual battle that we all uh, fight in. Yeah, it's it's a real possibility mm-hmm. because sin is still with us. We're not perfected. We're not glorified. And the Reformed Confessions have made this point. Reformed theology um, has been very honest about what Scripture says and about the human experience, that, that even in the midst of our sanctification, even in the midst of 
our, our growth in grace, even in the midst of God promising to preserve us to the end, there is uh, the not just the chance, but the likelihood of some falling into serious sin. Also in the 1689, chapter 17, paragraph 3, it says this, and though they may, through the, and speaking of believers, right, those that will be preserved by God, and though they may, through the temptation of Satan and the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them, and the neglect of means of their preservation, they may fall into grievous sins, and for a time continue therein, whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit, come to have their graces and comforts impaired, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalize others, and bring temporal judgments upon themselves, yet they shall renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Christ Jesus to the end. So real failure, even prolonged failure in sin, is possible. It does happen. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about backsliding. People who have fallen back into their former ways or fallen back into sin and, and experientially have distanced themselves from God. And I think there's that important distinction to make, though, right? Uh, that backsliding affects one's state, not their standing. Right. Well, you know, why? Because our standing before God is solely based on his sovereign choice and love and on the cross. Jesus' right. work on the cross justifying us, saving us, redeeming us, drawing us back to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it, it's that... Uh, it's a state, not the sta- not our standing before God. John Owen says this in uh, Communion with the Triune God. says, The love of God is like himself, equal, constant, not capable of augmentation or diminution. Our love is like ourselves, unequal, increasing, waning, growing, declining. His like the sun, always the same in its light, though a cloud may sometimes interpose. Ours as the moon has its enlargements and straightenings. And yeah, so yeah. later on he talks about there's this there's this ebb and flow of our communion with God. It's this right. constant ebb and flow. Sometimes it's stronger, sometimes it's weaker. But God's love remains the same, right? Like the sun is always there. We may not see it, we may not feel it, but it is ever present. It's we are the ones that are pulling back. We are the yeah. ones that are moving away. We are the ones that are rejecting God and reject delighting in his ways. So when we're talking about backsliding then, we're not simply talking about behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about a heart condition. And you're saying, and I think Owen is saying, that what we're really getting at is this ongoing aspect of communion. Yeah. Right. So let's define it like this. Um, I'm comfortable defining it like this. A backslidden Christian is one whose communion with Christ is waning and whose faith is weakening. It's not the, um, the destruction of their faith. Right. This, is, this is not a person who was professing to be a believer and is now an atheist and is, has become a terrorist and is blowing up innocence. Uh, we're talking about a person who has believed the gospel mm-hmm. but who is struggling with their faith. We're talking about a person who is walking with the Lord but their experiential communion with Christ is evaporating because of a number of, of different things, right? So then, yeah, really we're talking about all of us. We're talking about yeah. all of us. We're talking about everybody. We're talking about um, every, every member of a church. This is, this is all of us. Right. All of us have the potential to fall into a backslidden state. I don't, we're not all backslidden. 
Well, not now. Right, but we all can be, and it is and likely that we all will be at one yes, point or another. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've, I've had people say, like, well, there's no such thing as a backslidden Christian. I mean, all Christians are backslidden. Like, no, the, this is a person, as Scripture says, has um, has fallen into a precarious place spiritually. Yeah. They have lost their confidence before God. Mm -hmm. They have neglected communion with God, mm -hmm. and they are, you know, heading down a path of of judgment or maybe discipline is the better word, yeah. spiritual discipline. And they are not only going to hurt themselves, but they'll wind up hurting other people. And I, and even in that though, uh, like you're saying, there's that that discipline, and that discipline is meant to turn back, right? It's meant to right. uh, to bring them back to show them. Uh, I guess the error of their ways. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, God. That's. I mean, God taught. Maybe we'll do an episode on on the discipline of the Lord. Mm. You know, that would be a good one. But yes, God disciplines us as sons, as children. Right. He disciplines those that He loves. He that's does right. not discipline others. I mean, right. Hebrews makes this whole point. Right? God disciplines those that He loves. If He disciplines you, you're a son. If you're not disciplined, you're not a son. Mm. If you're not disciplined, you're not loved. That's yeah. the implication. So. Yes, uh, absolutely. So there is, um, God is sovereign and he will bring us back to himself. That's the promise of perseverance of the saints, that we will return. But, but how do we get there? Like, what, The question that we need to deal with is, is, what is the cure for a person who finds themselves spiritually cold and backslidden? I mean, this is something that I've dealt with on a personal level. I know Jimmy has yeah. as well. And we can say that, you know, big picture here, faith is the cure, right? We're going to we're going to believe God's promises, or we can say the gospel is the cure. Jesus and that, yeah, we could just make it super simple here. Um, and yes, faith, the means of grace, the gospel, that's going to fill what we're about to talk about here. Mm -hmm. But um, as we've been talking about it, we really see five basic components that are always present in a person who is returning to the Lord uh, after a period of being spiritually cold or living in a backslidden condition. So these aren't steps that we can take, yeah. but they are different aspects or components of a heart uh, of a Christian life that is returning to the Lord. And the first is this. You will not come out of your backslidden state until you identify your current condition. Right. You have to know where you are. You know, in Revelation chapter 2, uh, Jesus is, is rebuking churches, and, and at one point he's, he says, you need to remember therefore, from where you have fallen. Mm -hmm. Like, think back. Do you remember where you were? You're not there anymore. Something has changed. Okay. You are in a bad way. You need to, uh, he says, repent, therefore. So the first part of this, right, this, 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 this initial kind of beginning point is being able to honestly see yourself, evaluate yourself, um, and, and be honest about that very thing. And, you know, the way in which we identify our current condition and identify our sins is by reading the word, right? The means of grace. The scripture here is going to be important. You, you will not be sensitive to your sins unless the truth of God, the, the word of God, the statutes of the Lord, the commandments of God are read and embraced. This is how you can consider your sins. In fact, you know, I've done, I've done it where I'll, I'll, I've written out a page or more where I'm just listing my sins, not to stay there and become melancholy, yeah. but to know how bad things are so that I can properly confess them. And that is what really prepares us to move into this, um, the second component. Yeah, uh, secondly, uh, meditate on Christ 
and his work, and this is the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Looking to Jesus and what he has done, the price uh, that God himself has has paid on our behalf uh, to save us, redeem us, and and to draw us closer to himself, right? And that, that means of grace, again, meditating on scripture, right? Not just reading it, but 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 chewing over it, mm -hmm. uh, really digesting it. Yeah, the discipline uh, of meditation itself. That's right. Meditation, and I would even say memorization, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Memorizing so that at those times, at least for, for me, when I know I am uh, drifting away, if you would, um, scripture comes to mind, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's, that's a means that God, uh, by his grace, uses to uh, point me back to himself. Right. And uh, I forget where it is. It's in Psalm 119, right? Yeah. I have, I have hidden your word in, in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is, um, I'm trying to find it here. Let me see. I'm not going to find it. I, got, I, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Google it. Google it. Google it. Google it. Um, yeah, I've, I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's this meditation on the word of God, the truth of God, the gospel of God, the promises of God that become very sweet to us. You see, the, the sweetness of this gospel that you're talking about isn't really experienced until we've tasted the bitterness of our sins. Yeah. We have to see how bad off we are on our own before we can really rejoice over and embrace uh, the grace that, that we're offered in Jesus Christ. And there we find liberty and joy. It's, you know, the person that isn't captivated with the joy of salvation is a person who does not yet understand their sins. They, they tend to go hand in hand. Mm. So we identify our current condition, we meditate on the gospel, and a part of that is praying to the God of your salvation, praying to the Lord for the grace that you desperately need. And this is maybe one of the first things that you you might think of something that you actually do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, um, you might not open the Bible, but you might begin by remembering Scripture. Yeah. And here, though, when we're praying to God, what we are essentially doing is, is crying out to God to do what only He can do. And, and what are we praying? We're, we're praying about God's character. We're, we're praising Him for His kindness and His goodness. We're asking Him to change our hearts, to draw us close. And in doing that, we are, in a sense, preaching to ourselves, right? It, 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 sounds, it sounds like, well, what do you mean? You're, you're not supposed to talk to yourself when you're praying. You're supposed to talk to the Lord. But yes, but as, you're, as you are exulting in the character and the goodness of God, you are re reminding yourself and reinforcing in yourself these great gospel truths. In fact, Thomas Manton um, argues that we are preaching to ourselves in the act of prayer. He says that when we're praying, we are preaching to ourselves in God's hearing. He says we speak to God to warm our hearts, to warm ourselves, not for his information, but for our edification. Sure. So if Manton said it, I think I can say it, that when we're, when we're praying uh, to God, we are also preaching to ourselves. I think fourth, uh, repent of all known sins. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther in his 95 Theses says this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. And I mean, I think this is our, what our continual practice needs to be, right? Uh, and I don't do it. I, I am terrible at this, uh, where I, I need to continually be uh, repenting for, for my thoughts, for my words, for my actions, for my, my attitude. Right. Um, and, but in, in this case, as you're in that state, or you know, as you're in that, that, uh, that condition of, of uh, 
being backslidden and cold. It's it's actually repenting of that and saying, uh, "Lord, I've drifted. Mm-hmm. I, I I do not. I am not. I am not delighting in you or in your ways. I'm not in love with you. I'm not beholding your glory." Um, and being being honest with God and honest with yourself. I think we were talking about that earlier, right? Because we can fake it a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so finally, and but you can't fake it with God. And so you need to, or you try to. I try to. Uh, but he sees right through it. So just mm. being honest and, and open about that. Yeah, I mean, repentance is, wow. I mean, it it, it is the beginning of something beautiful mm-hmm. because we see the danger of our sins and, and the ugliness of our sins. And with that, we are seeing the beauty of Christ. But what would you say, though, for those people that, that stay there, right? Like I've heard that before about uh, if I'm if I'm continually repenting, if I'm continually thinking about my my sins and my sinful nature, I'm going to just be down on myself. I'm mm-hmm. going to hate myself. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to think highly of myself. Uh, what would you say to that person or those people that, that think like that? And I, and I know I've thought like that myself in the past, um, where they just become negative about their life and well, about their, their faith. I, there are two problems with that line of thinking as it relates to repentance um, the idea that, well, if I'm always repenting, I'm always going to be down on myself. If you are ending, uh, if your repentance leads you to a place where you are simply despairing over your sin, you are not repenting. Hmm. Uh, you are focusing on your failures, but you are not seeing Christ's victory. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from all of our failures. It's seeing them, but then those very things should catapult us yeah. to the grace of of Christ, we should find ourselves running uh, expectantly for God to embrace us. Not because we deserve it, we don't, but because He is a God of grace. He's mm-hmm. a God of mercy, and we have been uh, justified. We've been saved. So, yeah, I think repentance, first of all, always leads to joy if it's real repentance. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I would say that stop worrying about how you feel so much. I mean, it's like, like. People are like, well, I'm not going to feel very good about myself. Well, listen, you, you're, you may not feel very good about your own righteousness. You may feel bad about your sin, but you are loved. You are loved by God. You are embraced by God. You are uh, His, and He is yours, and, and you are secure. So there's where you derive your real sense of value, not in how good you are, not in how bad you are, but in how good God is mm. and how He loves you. So... Yeah, I think we can be less concerned with, um, with, with how I'm going to feel in the midst of repentance. And to be honest, a lot of this means that people are just so focused on themselves, they're not looking at God at all. It's just an exercise in spiritual navel-gazing where they, you know, some people really get off on just feeling bad about themselves. Yeah. They find it as if there's some sort of, of merit yeah. in, in feeling bad. So that's not repentance. Real repentance is is recognizing your sin and turning towards the Lord. And that leads to that leads us to the fifth component here, which is re- just returning to Christ in fresh dependency. Mm. And this is this, you know, from the backslidden state, here's the grace in it that you will learn that you cannot do it on your own. You will learn that when you when you are not maintaining communion with Christ, you will drift. You your faith will dry up. You will you will wander. And so we need to be a people who, um, in the midst of repentance and are looking towards Christ, walking towards Christ, we learn a fresh dependency that apart from Him, we die. And with Him, 
we thrive and we live. And so all those gospel promises can be refreshed and renewed in our hearts. All of this, all of this really, I mean, what we're talking about here is how to sort of walk out of, of a backslidden state. But really what we want is to be people who don't even get there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking really then, you know, well, our hope, I guess, is learning to maintain communion with Christ. And so, you know, how do we do those things? And I think uh, we've talked all along about, uh, about the means of grace that God has given us. Um, for maintaining that communion. First, uh, we talk about his word, you know, uh, spending time and delighting in the law of God, right? Um, and, you know, it's not just about that that check mark at the beginning of the day, I spent my 15 minutes, however long it takes, uh, whether it's five minutes, whether it's an hour and a half of reading, actually delighting in mm, that moment, right, actually delighting right. uh, in the word of God. Secondly is prayer. Right, like actually, uh, and, and and honest prayer, honest prayer, I think is yeah. is important because, and I say that for me, and I'm preaching to myself when I say that, I, because I am a dishonest prayer. My a lot of times my prayers are just empty. I feel like they're ritualistic. I feel like I'm just saying what I think God wants to hear, or people around me want to hear. Uh, and so actually, you know, praying and 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 exposing, I guess, myself to the God that already knows. To the God that already knows um, where my heart really is at, mm-hmm. and so and so, sh- being honest about my struggles and my sins, um, and, and my attitude uh, with God. I think next is is worship. Yeah. You know, on a Sunday morning, uh, gathering together as a body of believers, worshiping, worshiping God. Right. Uh, but what about those? What about guys who? Because um, I think we've all been there. When you know you're supposed to go to church, right? It's it's the central event in the life of a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. We gather with God's people under word and sacrament. But they don't want to go because their heart's not in it. They, they say like, man, if I go to church today, um, I'm just going to be pretending. I'm going to be a hypocrite. I'd rather not. I'm going to go when I mean it, not when I don't mean it. What do you say to those guys? Well, first I'd say uh, you are most welcome because you're a hypocrite joining other hypocrites. I think uh, all of us, to to one degree or another, are hypocrites uh, and struggle uh, with church. We we sometimes just do it because we feel like we have to do it, or we do it because our spouse makes us do it, right. or we do it because they got a great Sunday school program, and we think it's best for our children that they uh, receive those those morals and those values. So I say uh, first, you are most you're just the same as everybody else, so it's no different. Right. Than, than everybody else. And I say, secondly, um, I think as you are there and, and worshiping, that over time the Spirit is, is working on your heart yeah. uh, and, and you're loving it more and more. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I share with Joe and, and with Pastor Pat often how when I'm not here on Sundays, I, I feel something, I, it's a miss, right? Like I love my community. I love being part of, of God's church here in St. Charles. I love being part of Redeemer Fellowship, and I miss it. I miss being with people, and I miss worshiping God with these people. That being said, uh, as the Spirit's working on me, I, I can go other places and yeah. still maintain that community, right. or that communion with God. Right. You don't avoid church just because you can't go to your church. Exactly. If you're somewhere else. And it's just kind of a stupid thought that we have. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not into it, so I'm not going to go. Okay, so like your heart's going to change while you're not there? 
Like, Maybe. yeah, I mean, it's like you're, yeah, you, you go and you, the church is always ready for you, even if you're not ready for church. So you that's go right. and you hear the word and that's the context in which God has historically brought revival right. uh, to the hearts of God's people. So yeah, you gotta, you, I mean, I, I think I've found throughout my life that um, word, prayer and worship are definitely key elements to maintaining communion. And part of that worship though is, is sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. Is, um, is sharing or partaking, I should say, at at the Lord's table. Yeah. Right? There's nearly every Sunday at Redeemer as we're about to partake, I have this deep sense of dread. I feel like mm-hmm. I don't deserve this. I feel like I shouldn't be uh, partaking and I feel like I shouldn't go up and, and grab it um, for myself. But it's at that moment where uh, where I run to Christ, right? Where I confess my sins. Uh, and as I as I take that bread uh, and and take the cup, really, um, I'm remembering that Jesus has, has paid for my sins. Mm-hmm. I'm remembering that I'm justified before him and I can, and I can take joy right. in that and remembering what he has done uh, for me and, and, and for his church, for his body. Yeah. Um, next, I would say community, right? right. Uh, for us, we call them community groups. Others call them Bible studies or small groups. Um, but getting involved with another group of, of people where you can openly and honestly uh, share What's going on? Share your struggles, share your concerns, um, and allowing others to be praying with you and for you uh, and checking up on you. And I mean, it, it's good for you to be able to to be able to say it, but it's also good for them. Right. Because I think some of them are, are going through it or have gone through it in yeah. the past, right? Where they're able to kind of uh, give some insight. Exactly. And so, like, we push community groups here pretty hard. Really hard. Um, and we, you don't have to be in a community group to be a member at Redeemer. Mm-hmm. And yet, what, 85%? 85%. 85% of our members are in community groups. Okay. So uh, it's a shared value. But we're not just talking about that. That is really important. But just in general, you've got to surround yourself with the right people. That's right. I mean, you've got to have the kind of people around you that encourage you in the faith, that, that don't lead you astray. You know, I, I'm around a lot of non-Christians. I, I intentionally put myself in those situations. But I also know my own weaknesses and shortcomings. Mm-hmm. I'm very intentional about the the core group of men that I spend a lot of time with, with Pastor Pat here, who's on staff at Redeemer, or you, Jimmy, or the elders and, and other Christians in this church. I put men around me who encourage me in the faith, who will check in on me, who will exhort me. Because outside of that, I am very likely to drift. I, yeah. I need that reinforcement because when I'm on my own, if I've just kind of isolated myself and turned my faith into a, a very private experience, I, I tend to um, I, I tend to wander pretty mm-hmm. quickly. And I think going along with that, I mean, I think it's actually loving, right? Like I, I think it's really loving to be in community um, and to be not just encouraged, but but corrected, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there's been times where I, I feel deep down like I, I'm starting to drift or I'm starting to get cold. And I've had men like Pastor Pat and, and you, Joe, who have said, hey, man, something doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Something seems off. Or how you handled that was, was wrong because my heart was really cold. Um, and I feel like it, I really think it's loving. I think it's the most loving thing we can do is to walk alongside someone and uh, lovingly correct them Right. Uh, I think it's cowardly when we think, oh, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm not going to deal with the issue because mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right. Uh, I just I think that's the most selfish thing in the world. Well, we, we want to maintain communion with Christ. We want others to maintain right. communion with Christ. And that means we've got to 
sometimes we need help seeing where uh, things are going wrong, uh, we're going uh, awry. So as, as we talk about it here, this, this idea of backsliding and, and how, do you, how do you get out of it, you know, we're just, what we're basically saying here is that, well, you need to repent of your sins and look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But to make it simple, right, to, in a way that you can kind of break it down, you identify your current condition, you meditate on the gospel, you pray to God for grace, you repent of your known sins, you return to Christ in fresh dependency. And all of this can be avoided as we maintain communion with Christ. Now, uh, what I want to do is I want to get us into uh, a couple of personal uh, examples here. Uh, Wait, personal? Like, yeah, we're, we're, be honest? we're going deep. But I don't want to. We're going deep. We didn't talk about it beforehand, but we're gonna. I'm gonna make Jim share a, a, a backsliding story, and I'm gonna share one as well. But first, uh, we want to give props to our sponsors. We have our two first sponsors for our podcast. Uh, these are two companies that we are really excited about. In fact, the only sponsors that'll ever be on our show are are. <laughs> are these two. No, it, it's, it's people that we actually believe in what they're about. Mm-hmm. And so one of them is 1689 Beard. Uh, this is the only beard care product that I use. It's all natural. It's all made by hand. It's made by a friend named Scott Anderson, a church planter and pastor who uh, uses 1689 Beard as a means of supporting the church and his church plant. He plants in a, or pastors in a very rural context where there is not a lot of income, and so it really doesn't matter how large the congregation gets, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be difficult to maintain that church and that ministry. So he supplements with 1689 beard. So right. if you have a beard, uh, if you're a dude and you don't have a beard, you should have a beard. Uh, if you have a beard, you should use 1689. It's all I use. It's great. they got oil. They've got beard balm, and uh, that stuff is super legit. So you can go there at, to uh, 1689beard.com, and you can check it out. Awesome. Another sponsor we have is Righteous Wretch Apparel. Uh, they've got some great graphic tees, some some wonderful designs. They got the Spurge uh, up on there, um, and and Paul is is gracious that uh, if for those of you listening, as as you go there and you put in the promo code uh, DD Save Ten, and that ten is written out, uh, you'll receive ten percent off your orders. That's good. That's really good. And I mean, Paul, Paul is doing really well for himself right now. He's killing it, man. Like the, their designs are, well, they're very much my style. They got yeah. a bunch of different styles, but I definitely love the shirts. And yeah, man, he's, uh, he's, he's doing real well. Well, yeah. I mean, he's killing it at life as well. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. He got married. Yeah. He got, well, not only did he get married, like she's beautiful. Yeah. And he, Paul is Paul. Yeah. And she, like, she's way out of his league. Yeah. She is super godly. Mm-hmm. She's. She's sharp and, and and pretty, and she yeah. And Paul it, it looks kind of like us. Yeah, uh, you know. You know what he had? He yeah, where he had no chance. He had no no chance in America, and she's from France, so he had to get someone from France. He had to leave the country, but still though, how did I think I, she's you know blind. what? Wait, she blind? Blind. I think okay, she's blind. I you know I didn't check. I did I I didn't give her the, the sight test when I saw her, but. Um, look, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So, yeah. Amen. We, we Good praise job, the Lord. All. all right, man. So, um, let's talk about uh, one of your awful backsliding stories. Have, oh. you, have, you, ever, have you ever been backslidden? Uh, yes, I have been backslidden many a times. Um, I think the one for me that is uh, most disturbing, I think, um, almost ruined uh, the, my marriage. Uh, a number of years ago, I was up in Canada. My wife and I were newly married, and um, 
I, my heart had just become cold. It had, I, I had no love for God. Um, and I was, I was, I was ministering, right? Like I was ministering to youth. I was getting paid to, to read scripture, to pray, uh, and to witness, uh, and disciple those that, mm-hmm. that, uh, had not known who God was. Um, and I was just faking my way through it. I was just faking my way. So slowly but surely, I did it ritualistically until I just stopped and was just going through the motions, if you would. Right. Um, and so my heart was cold. My heart was cold. I, I hated reading scripture. I hated going to church. I was just, uh, I did not enjoy it for a number of reasons. And I would be resentful every time I, I set foot in there. And I would sit there and look at all these other people and say, man, these guys are, are liars. They're fakes. They're hypocrites. Um, why? You know, they're just all putting on a front. And because you were putting on a front. Because I was so, putting on a yeah. front. They must be putting on a front. Right. Uh, and it affected my marriage because I was so, I was hating God and I was resentful uh, because my wife was loving the Lord. Mm. She was loving God and she was growing in her faith. And I was, and here I was, uh, not moving. I was just, well, backsliding. Um, and so I hated her for it. I hated her for her love for God. Uh, and it got to the point, like, it, it, it it affected our relationship. Uh, it affected my behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes it does do that where I, I would neglect her. I would neglect helping out. I put everything on her. I uh, would, would drink a lot. I would uh, spend money and not talk about it with her. Mm-hmm. I had put a strain on our family. Um, and it was to the point where we, we <laughs> the, the idea of a divorce had come around. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, my dad came up to visit um, and he saw what was going on. He pulled me aside and he said, man, you got to stop. Something, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is, this is terrible. You're acting like a big baby and a brat. Uh, and you need, to, you need to repent and cling to Christ. Mm. And I, I was mad at him. I, I stomped out of the car. <laughs> You know, like a little baby, like a little baby. I was like, I'm gonna walk home, not like a block. And I'm like, okay, you could go back in the car now. And so, but you know, but it was that loving, that lovingness of my father to, uh, to really be honest with me, right? And say, stop it, turn back. Um, that really helped me, that God used to, Mm -hmm. to turn me back to Him. Oh man. That's messed up. Okay, come on, dude. That's pretty bad, dude. Nobody... I didn't know you were going to share that. That's well, messed up. Well, I you told me to be honest. I yeah, didn't even know we are doing this. No, that's good. All no, right. That's... No, man. I, like, yeah, that's, I'm, I admire your honesty there. That's, uh, but I'm kind of disappointed in how messed up you are. But that's all right, man. You've got a good share. No, no. I'm, I'm... All right, so we're going to move on to recommendations? No, 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 no. Right. I shared a story. Now, you yeah. have... No, no, no. I got to hear your story. I, I got to hear your story. I don't backslide. That's the... <laughs> no, man. <laughs> That was how I got you into it. I ain't backsliding. No, 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 what are you talking on, about, I man? I walk with Jesus. No, 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 I'm sure you're. No, man. Jesus. Listen, I'm so good at backsliding that um, that I don't even know that I'm backsliding. People don't know I'm backsliding. That's how good I'm at. I'm like a, I'm like a professional backslider. So it's like when you're actually on fire, people are like, dang, something's good going on here. No, I'm never really on fire either. <laughs> no, I, 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 when I was in college, um, I was, uh, I was known as uh, the theologian. And uh, I loved theology. I loved to read. I would read, I would read twice as much in every class uh, as was required, just because I wanted to learn more 
and amass knowledge. I liked having the answers. I liked being right. Uh, and I liked that really more than I liked being made right with God. I, I began to love a system of theology more than the Savior. And I, I wouldn't engage Scripture for feeding my soul and communing with God. I only used Scripture to footnote points that I was trying to make. And I became very cold in my heart, very distant from the Lord in terms of communion. I was, um, I was pugnacious, looking to fight people, always looking to, to slam people who I consider to be wrong theologically. And some of them certainly were wrong. So you're, you're a seminarian. I was a Calvinist seminarian, yes. Oh, that's a young, worst. reformed yeah, awesome. <laughs> seminarian. Before it was cool to be a, 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 an angry Calvinist, that was me. Um, it's still not cool, guys. So I... Uh, so quit it. Quit it. Yeah, don't do that. You're that's, 21, you don't know everything. Yeah, or anything. So um, here's the, the thing. I, I went to a, a conference, a reformed conference, and one of the preachers there preached a sermon. I don't remember the sermon now. It was decades ago, but... It, it cut me deep. It, it confronted my sin of pride and arrogance, and it exposed my, my heart so that I could really see how cold it was that I had left my first love. I could begin to see how far I had fallen. And um, that was the beginning of God taking an axe to the root of my sins of, of pride and arrogance. And then I began to read books, and I read a few key books where God continued to minister to me. I read a book called Vital Godliness, a treatise on experimental and practical piety by William Plummer. And I read this chapter out loud uh, to my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, on spiritual darkness. And at the end of it, I just confessed, that's me. He just described me. And then I read the next chapter on backsliding, and I thought, Holy cow. I mean, I was shocked that it was me again. And, you know, the, the, one of the big sins, I mean, the, the two big ones in my pride was, one, not seeing my, my desperate need for Jesus and always clinging to him. And the other is, um, I, I didn't love the church. You know, I, I, I was constantly looking for a fight and looking for mistakes in, in other people's lives. Um, there's this quote from J.C. Ryle in his classic Holiness, which everyone should read. Um, he says this, he says, there's no surer mark of backsliding and falling off in grace than an increasing disposition to find fault, pick holes, and see weak points in others. This, this was me. And through these books, through the encouragement of my wife, my wife one time said to me, she saw me reading uh, a, another systematic theology, and she said, you know, Joe, the Bible is the best book. And Again, it was like God allowed these people to confront me, people up close in my life and people from a distance to begin to show me. And so I began to learn repentance in a new way then. And, uh, and I praise God for that because um, I, I certainly still struggle with arrogance and pride and, and all of that. But um, I, have, I was so burned by my own sin, it has encouraged me to stay closer to Jesus. So if you find yourself in a place where you're spiritually cold, or maybe you are um, concerned that you've been wandering away from communion with God. We want to recommend uh, a few books. I already mentioned one, Vital Godliness. Uh, it's by William Plummer. You can even find that online for free to read. We'll have links in the show notes that you can go and check out later. Um, another, if you're a pastor, Words to Winners of Souls by Horatius Bonar. 
a great book, a little book, something that will really um, help you. And then thirdly, a gospel primer uh, for Christians by Milton Vincent. It's a it's a fantastic book. It's just the gospel and its various um, facets, something that will truly warm you to the grace that we have in Jesus. And a fourth one, I think, for remaining mm-hmm. uh, in communion with God uh, is Communion with a Triune God by John Owen. Right. Uh, it's a fantastic work. Um, and, and the Crossway edition uh, is is really well done. I think that's the one uh, you should grab and pick up. Yeah, that's good. And uh, pick up Holiness by J.C. Ryle as well. Um, listen, uh, this was our first podcast. Uh, we're not very good at it yet, but we hope to get better. Uh, we'll work on the audio. We know it doesn't sound great, um, but we've got some people that want to help us out. So uh, we'll be releasing these once a week, every Monday, and hopefully we'll get better with each one. You can support the podcast by clicking through our Amazon links on the website, and you can buy some books or pencils or whatever you like. And uh, it doesn't increase your cost, but we get a little kickback, and that helps us to support uh, the, you know, the, the expenses of, of running the website and hosting the audio and all of that. Yeah, make sure to follow us on social media, you know, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Doc and Devo. Uh, and we also have a page on Facebook. And, you know, you can help us by spreading the word. You know, if you're liking it, please share it. Right. Um, also, let us know what topics you want us to explore and talk about. Uh, this time we kind of worked through uh, an outline that we wanted to talk through. Other times we're just going to be chatting. Um, but if you want us to, to engage something, you can go to our website and you can click on the contact page and there you can fill it out. And uh, if you got complaints, uh, you can tell your mama because we don't, want to hear we don't care. But if you do have ideas, then please share them and we would uh, we'd be happy to talk about them. So thanks for, for listening to our first and hopefully just the first of many. And um, we'll see you uh, we'll see you in a week. Thank you.